Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I wonder how you have been going this week at paying attention. Have you been paying attention? Careful attention? And have you heard God speak? So I want you to think as we start today, over this last week, Where are the times that you have heard or seen God? Where were you? What were you doing? Who was there maybe? Have you heard or seen God this week? The writer of uh, this letter to the Hebrews is concerned that his audience might be discouraged, struggling to keep faith, tempted to turn back. And as census day for semester one approaches, you might be too, tempted to turn back. Uh, We've seen so far that his answer is to encourage the readers by reminding them of what they have believed, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. God speaks, 
God has spoken in his son. God speaks today, but we have to pay attention. And chapter 3 again contains this call to hold firm, if you heard it, and the call, albeit in different words, to pay attention. And it builds out for us a slightly bigger picture of what that might mean. So we're going to look at uh, three points today from this passage. This might be my first ever three-point sermon with things that kind of rhyme from this passage in Hebrews 3. I do all the wrong things so the preaching class can dissect them and then uh, tell us what you thought of them. Three points from this passage today about how to hold fast. From verse 1, fix your thoughts on Jesus. From 7, do not harden your hearts. And in verse 13, encourage one another daily. You might think of these as three different um, speech acts, perhaps, or, or three different types of speech in different directions. The first is about how God has spoken to us in his son. What does the author want us to know about that here to fix our thoughts on Jesus? The second is about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And the third is about how we speak to each other, how we speak God's words to one another. Three things that we need to hold firm our hope. And if it helps you to remember them, we can think of them as our minds, our hearts, and our lips. Minds with thoughts fixed on Jesus. Hearts, not hard, but trusting in God. And lips that encourage one another. From verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. In this section, we have a little compare and contrast with Moses. This is a theme right through Hebrews, compare and contrast. Uh, the section focuses on Jesus' faithfulness. Jesus is faithful, just as Moses was faithful as apostle and high priest over all God's house. This theme of Jesus as high priest will be developed throughout the book, and Mark will speak more on that next week. And here he develops the high priest theme by comparing Jesus, as I've said, with Moses, which is funny, of course, because Moses was not actually a high priest. It was Moses' brother, Aaron, who was the priest. But Moses in his ministry, Moses in his leadership, perhaps if you're here for, for Reese's sermon last Wednesday, Moses in his leadership, even though he wasn't a priest, did exemplify the role of the priest because Moses was the mediator between God and God's people. Moses heard from God and spoke from God to the people. And Moses represented the people to God, heard from the people, spoke to God on their behalf. 
responded to God on their behalf. So Moses represents God to God's people and Israel to God. Moses was faithful in all God's house, it says, as a servant. Jesus is worthy of greater honour. In God's house, he is not servant, but son, owner, master, builder. And yet, he took the role of the servant to become our high priest. The divine son became human. The one who in his very body, his very person mediates between God and human as priest. This section draws together, I think, the teaching about Jesus that has come before in chapters 1 and 2 and describes this uh, what we might call Jesus' um, double faithfulness, this faithfulness from two directions, you might say. As the God-man, as our high priest, Jesus enacts perfect faithfulness from both sides of this relationship. God's faithfulness to us, he is God's act to save, to restore, to forgive, to redeem. He is the radiance of God's glory, God's presence. God's being with us. But Jesus is also on our behalf, our faithfulness to God, the people's response to God. He does what we cannot do. He lives the life we cannot live. He offers himself as a perfect sacrifice. He is humanity fit for God. And so in these first two chapters, we see Jesus revealed as both the eternal divine son, that's the opening of chapter 1, and as God's human son, the Messiah, the one who fulfills God's promises to David and who fulfills the role of the son of David. He is both God and Messiah. And it's only because of this, it says in chapter 2, that he can be the faithful high priest, the perfect advocate, image, representative of God and the perfect and faithful human life. So fix your thoughts on Jesus. Our apostle and high priest is to fix your thoughts on God for us in this double sense, the faithfulness of Jesus, God to us and God on our behalf. Number two is our hearts, hearts that are not hard, but hearts that trust. Today, if you hear his voice, it says in verse 7 and again, uh, verse 15, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Uh, Just a brief little aside here, Um, in chapter 1, The author tells us that God speaks. And one interesting thing that we see in these first three chapters of Hebrews is the different members of the Godhead speak. Uh, Throughout these chapters, the author um, takes Old Testament quotations. He re-describes them as the direct speech of God and as each member of the Godhead 
speaking at different times. In chapter 1, we have God the Father speaking to the Son, affirming the identity of the Son. In chapter 2, we have God the Son speaking to the Father, affirming his faithful response to his role on earth. And here in chapter 3, where the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks to the church. He lifts these quotations and he says, as God says, as the Holy Spirit says, or puts them in the mouth of one of these members of the Trinity. So here in this chapter, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to the church. A quotation from Psalm 95, remembering the story of Israel in the wilderness after the Exodus, but coming directly to us. Today, if you, that's you, means you, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So what does it mean perhaps to harden your heart against the voice of God? We have a few examples from this Exodus story. Pharaoh, whose heart was hardened against God, I think by pride. He could see God's power, he could hear God's will, but he wanted to keep his power, his will. He was Pharaoh. He was God. He refused to acknowledge that what he did was wrong or to repent and turn back from it. To harden your heart might be to refuse to repent or to give up your sin, to refuse to yield power or status or control. But there's also the people of Israel, described here as those who rebelled against God in hardening their heart, who tested. Though every day for 40 years they saw God's power, felt his provision, were literally led visibly by the presence of God and kept alive by him every day. In Exodus 17, the people grumbled about where God had taken them because life was still hard. They forgot to be grateful about what God was giving. They saw only what they didn't have and they began to compare their life with what they had before. To harden your heart might be to forget to be grateful for God's gifts and instead to compare or to covet. Uh, At Sinai in Exodus 32, the people turn to idols because God takes too long. To harden your heart might be to judge God against your own timing, your own desires, your own plans. And at the edge of the promised land in Numbers chapter 14, The people look in the land and they see a strong people and strong cities and they are afraid. They rebel against God, refusing to enter because they fear they will be destroyed. In uh, Numbers chapter 20, Israel go on to blame God for their suffering 
for the challenges they now face as they're not in the promised land. Their own failure, their own sin, leads them to this place and now they blame God. To harden your heart might be to blame God for the results of your own sin. It's this uh, story, though, perhaps from Numbers 14 that's most in view here. Are the people at the edge of the promised land described as their rebellion? They will not enter as God has instructed because of their fear. And so for Israel, hardness of heart here is failure to trust that God will do as God has promised, that God can do what God has promised. They could not believe that God was faithful and that God would provide. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Trust that God is faithful, that God is able, as he has shown himself to be in Christ. What might you need to trust God for today, this week? Where is he asking you to step out? What is he asking you to step into that looks scary? What things are you afraid of? And can you trust that God is able, that God will provide? How do we trust? Because we've seen the faithfulness of God in Christ. That Jesus is able. This is the teaching of Hebrews right through against this backdrop of the old covenant, that Jesus is the one who is able to do all that God has promised. The high priest, the sacrifice, God's presence, the faithful human. Jesus has done it. Jesus is able to bring you into all that he has promised. So don't turn back. Go forward with him. So we have minds that are fixed on the faithfulness of Jesus, hearts that respond to Jesus' faithfulness with faith and trust. And lastly, we need lips and lives that encourage one another to do the same. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. I like this regular uh, repeated use of today in this chapter, straight out of Psalm 95 from David's day to the very first hearers of Hebrews and to us today. This is one of those things that kids love it when they discover that it's never not today (laughs) (laughs) because tomorrow is today again. Right? Tomorrow is today's Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday, but when we get to Wednesday, Wednesday's not tomorrow, Wednesday's today. So it's never not today. So when do we have to open our hearts and trust God? So when do we have to encourage one another? Every day. It's always today. And, and how much of every day? As long as it is called today. 
the whole day through. Imagine if Christians spent as much time encouraging each other as they did arguing with each other. I say this to myself as much as to anyone else. Maybe you wake up every morning and think, you know, what nonsense do I have to deal with today? (laughs) Somebody again is wrong on the internet. (laughs) Annoying people in my church, annoying Christians in the world. But imagine if we spent as much time encouraging each other as we did correcting or arguing. Not that we don't need those things. But it's hard to remember God's faithfulness. It's hard not to get distracted. It's hard not to get discouraged by our sins or crushed by our fears or just worn out from our labours. It's hard to believe when everyone thinks you're crazy. It's hard to stay true when everyone thinks you're mean. It's hard to persevere in ministry when the cost is high. It's why we have each other. It's why we need each other. Not just any kind of encouragement. It's not just, hey, Reese, looking good today. (laughs) That's okay. You can do that too. But to encourage each other in the Lord, in what God has done, in what God is doing and what we are doing in response to God. I don't know if you've ever met someone like this who has this gift of encouragement. I used to work for a minister once who just, I mean, this was his thing, right? He could pick out the things that God was doing in you, that God had gifted you with, and just kind of get right in there and encourage you. He didn't just kind of puff you up in your own skill, but helped you to see what God could do. Encouragement that doesn't build ego, but encouragement that builds faith. That's what we need. So are you an encourager? Would you be an encourager? Uh, My husband is a great encourager. It's one of his gifts, I think. Part of the reason that I persist, not that he helps me to think that I'm perfect, but what he helps me to see is that what I can do in response to God is worth doing. For each other, we need to be people who elevate the faithfulness of Jesus, the sufficiency of Jesus. People who reject the lies of pride, fear, power, entitlement, failure, insecurity, whatever it is that hardens our hearts against God. And people who affirm the work of God in others, the gifts of God in others, the hope and strength of God in others. So as you reflected on the experiences at the start of uh, this sermon, of when you heard or saw God this week, I wonder how many of those involved other people. God's voice through their words or their presence, their actions, through the table perhaps. So as you train for ministry here at Ridley College, for ministry 
in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. That's our mission statement, if you didn't know it. These three things uh, do not change. Will you be a minister, a preacher, a teacher, a pastor, a leader, a friend, a mentor, whatever it is you will be, will you be one who helps people to fix their thoughts on the faithfulness of Jesus? Who guards against the deceitfulness of sin and who encourages others to do the same as long as it is called today, each day and all day. Will you help others to pay attention? And will you help them to trust in God?